Welcome to the Solar Cavern Podcast. My name is Sav. Get ready to learn about philosophy today. You ready? All right, let's get into it. Let me preface this with I am not a certified philosopher. I got my degree in broadcasting and filmmaking, so I know how to put together a podcast, but I do not know how to write a scholarly article on the mind-body problem. The mind-body problem is a debate concerning the relationship between thought and consciousness in the human mind and the way that the brain is a part of the physical body. People are trying to figure out how the mind and body function together. If you've ever had surgery, I've recently had surgery and I got put on some laughing gas. I had to tell them to turn it down a little bit because I started to really feel out of my body <laughs> and and not in, not in a good way at all. But that was an example where my mind was fully functioning and I felt at one in my own self, but my body was kind of detached from the equation. The mind-body problem was first introduced by Rene Descartes, who was a French philosopher who also invented analytical geometry. So everyone in ninth grade who had to take either geometry or algebra, you can go ahead and thank Mr. Descartes. There's a term in philosophy called monism, which basically holds that there is only one unifying reality. There are three main categories of monism. They include physicalism, idealism, and neutral monism, which are all related to the mind-body problem. Idealism is a part of a metaphysical belief that our reality is in some way indistinguishable from human perception and understanding, and that in some sense it's mentally constructed and connected to our own individual ideas. There are two sides for resolving the mind-body problem. The first one is monism, and then the other one is dualism, which believes that the mind and body are distinct substances and they are separable. So what do you think? Do you think that our mind and body are connected or that they work on different planes? Because our consciousness and our self-awareness can be distinguished from the brain and our intelligence. I'm sure you've heard of the phrase, I think, therefore I am. Rene Descartes was actually the person who said that. Rene Descartes was French, remember? So he didn't say, I think, therefore I am. He said, je, <laughs> uh, excuse me for butchering this. I took four years of Spanish, not French, but I believe this is how you say it. Je pense dont je suis. I took Spanish, and if you're wondering how to say it in Spanish, it's creo que lo soy, which translates to I think so I am. We've been talking a lot about philosophy, so I feel like we should define philosophy. Simply put, it's just expressing views about fairly abstract matters, which is what we've been doing. Like the mind-body problem is quite abstract because you you know, you could have so many different opinions about it and, you know, it's just expressing your own opinions. But the catch is you have to find reason and understanding to make sure it's a firm belief. 
So in the beginning, there were two different schools of philosophy. First one was continental, and that developed in Germany and France, and mainly focused on literature and psychology. And then there was analytic school, which was in the United Kingdom and the United States, and it focused on physical science and logic. It seeks precision and clarity, which means you got to have definition and proof. I could tell you that my cat is orange all day, but until you see my cat, are you gonna believe that it's orange? Are you just gonna take that information and be like, oh yeah, I bet, I bet Sad's cat is orange? Or do you want proof that my cat is orange? So philosophy is understanding reality and human life in general terms, and you gotta study key ideas in thinking and form a big picture guided by good reasons. All of these philosophers like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, they were good at finding opinions, finding theories, but adding reason to it. That's the main thing. Socrates asked how humans should live their life. He said that virtues of character should be the main aim for life and that reason and truth are just tools to achieve this. Plato was actually Socrates' pupil and friend who founded the Academy, a school in Athens. He strived to define concepts such as knowledge, justice, courage, being, and virtue. Aristotle came to Plato's academy as a teenager and studied for 20 years. He wrote books about politics, ethics, physics, and he was actually a tutor to Alexander the Great. The basis of Aristotle's logic is syllogism, and syllogism presents a pair of statements and then infers a third statement from them. For example, all mammals have eyes. A cat is a mammal. Therefore, a cat has eyes. Pretty simple, right? But there are paradoxes that break down reasoning, which stimulate new thinking. Ontology is the study of existence. It's often referred to as the science of being, and it belongs in a major branch of philosophy known as metaphysics. So I've thrown a lot of information at you already, and so let's do a quick recap, okay? The mind-body problem, there's two sides of it. There's dualism and monism. Dualism says that the mind and the body are separate entities, while monism explains that there is one unifying reality. Philosophy expresses views about fairly abstract matters, but they have to be backed up by reason. Initially, there were two main schools of philosophy, continental school and analytic school. Socrates asked how humans should live their lives and said the main aim for life is virtues of character, which can be aligned by reason and truth. Plato was the one that founded the academy. Aristotle attended Plato's academy and wrote books about ethics, politics, and physics. I hope this is making sense. It's a ton of information, so let's step back for a moment and just ponder everything that we've gone over so far. Do you think that Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato came up with all of these ideas by themselves? Or do you think that other people contributed? Women are not given enough credit for their contributions in philosophy. They had to fight for the right to contribute to schools of philosophy of their time. Like, what in the world? Why wouldn't these men just allow the woman? Why was it a men say in the first place if women studied philosophy or not? Why did men have to be the gatekeeper? 
the men of this time had this big attitude and mindset that women don't belong in school, which is probably why it took so long for the men to figure out all of this stuff. Because if a woman were helping and contributing, these ideas would have come about a lot quicker. One of the most notable female philosophers was Hypatia of Alexandria. She was a big thinker of the Neoplatonic school in Alexandria, where she taught philosophy and astronomy. She was also murdered by a mob led by a lector named Peter, probably because she was a pagan, which doesn't excuse it whatsoever. Another notable philosopher was Mary Wollstonecraft. She was an English writer, philosopher, and advocate of women's rights, as she should be. In the script I wrote for my senior thesis film, I actually included a little Easter egg about Mary Wollstonecraft because the main character was studying to get her degree in philosophy and cognitive psychology. That is going to conclude this episode. I hope it was casually informative for you, and I hope you learned a couple things. I want to have guests on soon so we can have conversations and share beliefs on conspiracies and other theories. I hope you enjoyed this episode on mind-body dualism. Make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast if you like learning about philosophy. My name is Sav, and thank you for listening to The Solar Cavern.